Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. As we conclude Sarah Week 2023, we are delighted to have been a part of one of the largest Sarah Weeks ever in which we gathered to hear from global energy experts from all over the globe about the uncertainty and the change that we are facing as we look at the effects that have happened due to a global pandemic, shifting geopolitical views, and an increasing awareness of energy security. Moreover, the energy industry continues to grapple with twin challenges of meeting the world's growing energy demand while reducing emissions and redesigning the world's energy systems into a lower carbon future. We shared and learned many ongoing challenges and opportunities as they arise in the energy transition. And we are very happy to be bringing to you information on how these energy experts view and address investment needs, high energy prices, supply chain issues, infrastructure restraints, economic instability, innovation and technology, and of course, much, much more. As we concluded Sarah Week 2023, it was incredible to see that over 8,000 delegates and 14,000 speakers from over 90 countries attended. We are certainly happy that we were one of the media groups that was included to cover this amazing conference, and we do thank Sarah Week. We also thank SP Global for producing Sarah Week, and here are some of the excerpts from some of the people that we interviewed in a remote studio of In the Oil Patch Radio Show that was located on Media Row and Sarah Week. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, George Tabash, who is the CEO of MIQ. George, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Great to be on the show here today. Well, let's begin with, you're here at Sarah Week. You just got off stage. We're going to cover that a little bit into the show. But I'd like to start off with, you were named one of the Insider's Top 30 Climate Leaders and have led a team in Fortune 500 organizations that include J.P. Morgan, Merrill Lynch, and you are now the CEO of MIQ, an organization mitigating methane emissions from the oil and gas industry or production exploration companies. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Can you uh, tell me how you felt about that award being considered Top 30 Climate Leaders? How'd you feel about that award it was great and it was quite early in the days of MIQ in a way um, MIQ we've only started about three years ago and at the time so 2019 2020 um, there wasn't a lot of talk around methane uh, in the oil and gas industry and, and how to address it um, and as MIQ we've done a lot of awareness around that and but most importantly how to solve it we, we hear we want we can always come from the perspective we can keep talking about it and but what we really need to do is how to solve the methane emissions uh, in the oil and gas. And so it was good to see that the message of MIQ mm-hmm. uh, was getting out there. And I think that's, that's why uh, the award uh, was there. It, it was a recognition of MIQ and the work we're doing. Well, we're excited to talk to you about what is MIQ. So those initials, are they initials? What, what does this stand for? Yep. And who are your partners, if you will? Because this is a not-for-profit. So I want to break all this yep. down. But So the not-for-profit, my understanding is that no one really owns a non-profit or a not-for-profit. It's really designed to achieve whatever mission was created mm-hmm. by the founders. Yep. So who is 
uh, RMI, who is System IQ, mm-hmm. and what do these initials MIQ stand for? Okay, lots of, lots of good questions. Um, so MIQ stands for Methane uh, IQ, Methane Intelligence, uh, because a lot around methane is to create the data. Our, our whole theory of change is based on creating the transparency around methane emissions, and that once you have the transparency of methane emissions at the asset level, that's what's going to create a revolution in the markets because then basically the, the oil companies or the assets are going to compete with each other, benchmark. We'll, we'll talk more around that. But that, that's the starting point of MIQ. And indeed, we're, we're a not-for-profit. Uh, and it's, there's a good reason for it. Our, our mission as MIQ is to uh, solve the methane uh, emissions in oil and gas. And I'll come back to some numbers, which is to put this in We're going to drill down a lot in, yeah, no, in, in the future, <laughs> here in the, and, in the episode. Because the numbers are staggering, and, and, and that's why I, I started this. Um, and so RMI, which is previously known as Rocky Mountain Institute, uh, based in, in, in Boulder in, in the US, and Systemic, which is a uh, um, sustainability consultancy in London, they came up with the original idea uh, about three and a bit years ago of saying to address this, we need a, a systematic approach to this, which is the certification scheme that uh, MIQ then uh, set up. Um, so they, they're the founding fathers, if you want to, of uh, MIQ. And indeed, we're not for profit, so the uh, the funds we are receiving is from philanthropic uh, foundations uh, that are being used to set up uh, MIQ. Uh, and the reason for doing it like that is we need total independence of the industry to do this credibly. Right. Because we're going to be creating a system where we're going to be talking and, and ultimately disclosing the methane emissions. Um, we, we can't, it can't be the industry doing that or it can't be tech companies doing this. So we need to be totally independent and the logical solution is, is to start like that. So you are a not-for-profit and you're three years old. So how, did you, how do you guys go about ensuring that this mission is adhered to by maybe you know who's your leadership who's on your board like can you kind of go into that so we can kind of look and see further into what you guys are really going to do because yep. it's an important mission you're doing no 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 absolutely so uh, i mean basically on the board it's it's uh, the mem- uh, basically board members are people from uh, rmi and systemic who are our board members okay. and and the funds are coming from uh, philanthropic organizations with uh, a very okay. strong goal to uh, deal with in general uh, climate change and in particular uh, on this case on, on methane emissions so let's start drilling down into methane emissions is a problem um, and I want you to explain to our listeners why is it such a big problem mm-hmm. um, a lot of listeners don't really understand they've heard climate change yeah, yeah. and they've heard um, emissions are being you know, released into the air but they don't quite really understand well, what does this mean and, and methane which is what your mission is mm-hmm. is to curb that there's really not a path forward we've had in the past your your nonprofit mm-hmm. is designed to try to set up some standards yep. that are going to work across the globe. So these standards, I, in my opinion, would have to be high and they have to really be lofty and goalful. So let's start with the me- the problem with methane. Okay, yep. So the, um, and, and the numbers are, are, are really interesting on this. When when I started looking, and, and I'm a, a former gas trader and an oil trader for uh, the I organizations. Had, I kind of thought maybe you were, because <laughs> <laughs> I see that in here. <laughs> yeah, and... A former, uh, kind of retired actually, did an early retirement and was five years in, and a former colleague, uh, she called me and said, George, uh, I need to talk to you about methane. I went, yeah, you mean gas? So no, no, I'm talking about the methane leaks in the industry. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay, the industry, I'm, again, I'm a former gas trader. Um, oh, okay, uh, yeah, isn't that tiny? Yes, as 
potential numbers, but then there's the issue of methane is very potent as a greenhouse gas. And so over a 20-year period, the number we are using, the uh, effect of methane is, give or take, 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And if you then do the calculations, um, some of these numbers are, are still up for discussion, but the best research that we use from science, from IEA, for example, uh, it's give or take 80 million tons of methane emissions globally uh, per year. You now multiply that by that number of 80, you get to rounded number here of 7 billion ton of CO2 equivalents. Now that, again, for a lot of people, oh, it's just a number, isn't it? It's just big, but how big? Um, so the best way to compare this with, that is the emissions, the equivalent emissions of all the cars on the roads, all the trucks on the roads, globally. Mm -hmm. That's which fine. is enormous. Mm -hmm. It's also seven or eight times all the airlines. It is one point something times the emissions of the United States, and I think it's two times the emissions of the EU. So it is, to put it in perspective, this is an enormous problem. Now, that's the glass half empty story. This is big. The glass half full story is, this is actually quite an interesting problem because it can be solved this decade with existing technologies. This is the oil and the gas companies looking at their operations, at their pipelines, at their, uh, their wells, and they can change the technologies or they can intervene to different style uh, of procedures. And so this is a problem that can be solved. And so that's where I think this gets really interesting because with climate change clearly taking place, each year it's getting a bit warmer. And we are talking about solutions such as electrical vehicles, uh, uh, small-scale nuclear, whatever, uh, nuclear fusion. It's going to take us quite a while to get there. Mm -hmm. It We're is. We're probably talking decades before it's at scale and globally and affordable. So methane is the one where we can do it this decade. But what we need to do it is to have that transparency so that the oil companies know what to aim for, how low it must go. Because it's not like there's like visible huge few, uh, plumes uh, coming out there. So there's a lot around how do you determine the methane emissions. And that's why we've set up uh, MIQ to help the markets, to help the oil companies to determine the methane emissions. And then they have a benchmark, which they can work for. And they do that very well. That's the oil companies, the gas companies, they work on numbers. That's how investment decisions get made. Correct. So have you had a lot of interest from governments? Because this is somewhat of a new uh, area. No mm -hmm. one has really developed a plan seems like you guys are coming out with one of the first plans, and, and this is going to be a global project. So um, outside of your country, how, have you, um, how do you feel the United States is um, looking at mm -hmm. the proposed mission that your organization has? Do you, are you, is it being well-received? So, so we're talking to, by now, to several governments or regulators, if you want to, uh, on a global scale about this. Uh, we've also taken the approach that... To, to make this work, because there's a lot of complexity behind this. To, to, to roll We're going to get into that. Yeah. It, it is pretty complex. Yeah, to, to roll it out. And so there are precedents to this in some of the uh, renewable power uh, markets where what you can do is set up a framework, so the MIQ framework, and start on the basis of what's called a voluntary market, where it's a voluntary participation of 
in this case, uh, gas producing companies and gas buyers to use the certificates as a method of determining the methane emissions or having credible uh, emission tracking on, in the case of the buyer. That's the voluntary stage. Now, it means that we create that system and, and that's the stage where we are now, where it's working. Okay, we've got the standards out there, there's a market, we've got a registry, and, and for example, yesterday we announced with BP they've done 100% of their facilities in, in the United States, uh, CF Industries have bought, uh, for example, uh, thank you very much, and uh, so CF Industries have bought uh, a big quantity of certified gas to, to be part of their uh, ammonia production and, and determine the scope 3 emissions, so that's all happening. And so we've taken the approach, let, let's do this on a voluntary basis, let's get it started, and then it is for the governments to decide, do they pick it up? Do they rely on it? Do they use the framework? But they've got something they can now look at. Two years ago, this was a concept, and that's much more difficult to look at. It kind of reminds me, George, of uh, here in the United States, we have three credit bureaus. They're clearing houses mm -hmm. of information. They basically are just caregivers of the data, credit, and they're basically just Yep. Submitting, the, gathering the information, submitting it out, so it's a clearinghouse. And it kind of seems like this is something that you might be working on with your mission. When we get back from break, I want to drill down into specifically how you're going to monitor methane admission. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. George, before the break, we were discussing the mission of MIQ, and it almost appears as though what your mission is, is to create a clearinghouse of information. People can join your membership, and they can submit information or take information with them in some sort of certification. So let's talk about uh, specifically why you just gave a session, Confidence in GHG, which is Climate Change Estimation. Some of the highlights in that conversation I want you to kind of cover with me because it's talking about the supply chain. I want to cover that first before we drill down into your registry and the other components that are built mm -hmm. around this mission. So how do you feel your discussion went today here at Sarah Week and why were you here to discuss climate change? I think it was a great discussion. I think the title of the panel kind of says it all is that there is a huge interest in in determining the GHG emissions credibly because we, we're talking about it a lot but ultimately we need to act on the information on, on data and so especially in the case of methane you need a methodology a protocol which is what we've developed to determine the methane emissions and, and I think a, a parallel where you can put MIQ into is in a way it's not that different than a financial standard, for example, for determining the the, the financials of a company. Uh, we've created that. And that's also a published standard, clearly. We've created that. You get an independent auditor who comes in, does the audits. They're using our standards. And then, obviously, to run the accounts, you use certain pieces of software. Again, that's a separate uh, angle. And so MIQ is very much like that. And there's a couple of other parallel markets that we've inspired ourselves from a lot in, in, in commodities, which is the rec market in the US, for example, uh, the renewable electricity certificates, and there's the RNG, which is renewable uh, natural gas. Is uh, this specifically the registry that's that's on your website when you're talking about that? Is, is that the registry or what is the registry that Canis will yeah, so, so register the, for? Yeah, so the, the registry is used because there's a particular aspect on, on, on this, on um, 
on gas is the um, the companies get also rather the the facility gets certified, and then from there on the next step for them to sell their gas or for a buyer to buy the certified gas, you need to know how do you track the fact that that gas has been certified. And so the concept, and again, this is the same in the, the rec markets and the RNG markets. We're using a lot of parallels there based on best practices in, in other parts of the industry. Um, you get a certificate. So once the facility has been certified independently by the third party auditor, then they get per MMBTU that gets produced at that facility and that's valid for a year, they get a certificate. So they can now sell an MMBTU of gas together with the delivery of a certificate. And that certificate is the attribute that demonstrates to the buyer what the emissions were at the operator's level. The buyer can then use that certificate to do their scope three accounting, for example, or to uh, say we've bought this type of gas with those types of emissions. And the buyer can then do in uh, a registry, a concept called retirement. Once they've made that claim, that certificate basically gets retired. They can't use it anymore. And the reason that is being used, again, it's the same in the renewable electricity markets, is otherwise you would have uh, double claims. Otherwise, anybody could claim we've bought the gas from whatever producer. So you need a system to track that. And that's what the registers get used for. Okay, so then let's go into the, for traders, the CC hub. So that was the um, registry of MIQ. Talk to me for traders, the CC hub, and furthermore, of you know, what is the comet as well? Because uh, I'm not quite sure I understand how these work. Yeah, no, no, that's good. We get asked that question quite a lot. So the registry, you really have to look at that. It's like a share trading, sorry, a share registry account or a bank account, more or less. People have their the producers get their given their certificates, they can transfer it to somebody else. But the actual trading, the commercial activity doesn't take place there. We, we are not running a trading platform for anybody. Right. So the classical way, especially in starting markets such as these, is to trade what's called bilaterally or over the counter. People call each other up in the old ways. Uh, and they agree to do a trade. Once they've agreed that trade, then gas gets delivered at the hub or at a nomination point as normal. So we've also designed this to integrate totally with the existing patterns. We are very, very careful that this works with existing, because existing trading patterns work. They're very efficient and it's like very big volumes going through and, and, and transactions. In parallel, they can now deliver the certificates and to prove that they do that in the registry. Now, a next potential development of the uh, development of a market is when people meet in platforms. And that is not different than a share trading platform where you can just buy and sell. And that's, for example, what CG Hub does. CG Hub is where the traders can say, hey, I've got for sale this amount of certified gas at those locations with these grades. And then somebody else can say, oh, I'll buy that at this price. That's not what MIQ does. We deliberately leave that to third parties to create that layer of tradability because there's good platforms out there that, that we simply work with. And so kind of closing the loop, if you will. So most people listening to the show go to their gas station and fill up their, their car. And they don't really know how it's provided or they don't know really very much about mm. what a crude buyer trader is and because this is your past history you are very informed but most mm -hmm. people don't so trying to give our listeners a visual of understanding i, I do but we work with traders a lot in, in, in yeah. partnerships um 
you're also talking about being able to monitor uh, the methane and lower it. How 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 does this benefit a BP to register with you guys? And how are you going to achieve the lowering, if you will? Mm -hmm. Before we before I give you the floor again, let me just take a quick break. You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. And we're back. You're listening to on the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is George Tabash. So before the break, I was asking you, we have the registry, we have the hub, and we know that the goal is to have oil and gas operators join to give confidence that they are lowering methane emissions on the planet. And this is set to be a global mission, mm -hmm. a lofty but a great one that we need to have. But I'm still a little confused. Explain to me how we're going to lower the emissions with oil and gas producers coming in and joining the organization. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the, the, the whole system is designed to rely, in a way, on, on market forces. So when the operators get uh, certified, they receive a grade for their um, facility, which goes from A to F. A is much quite low, uh, methane emissions, and F is much higher. And so when the transactions take place, between the sellers and the buyers, because now they can do it with the information about methane, then what we expect is going to happen is you're going to see, as in any commodity markets has happened in so many times, there's going to be uh, either pricing differentials or discounts, can go either way, between the better grades and the slightly worse grades. And that's grades already and, happening yeah. with crude traders, that they look at that already. Uh, gas trading. Gas trading, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's already happening. So we are now seeing buyers, first of all, they've now got the choice of buying certified gas. So they know their methane emissions. And typically with the companies that have been certified, so those methane emissions are lower than the averages that we see around it. And there's, there's some uh, complexity around determining the averages. Um, but that pressure is already taking place. Mm -hmm. um, 
And what we expect is that that's going to drive people with higher methane emissions to start investing in lowering their methane emissions because either they're going to be the last one in the queue to sell their gas or they're going to have to take a discount. And so our whole theory is very much based on creating market forces to drive that change. And we're well aware some companies are going to drag their feet. Mm-hmm. But once the pricing pressure is on there, they might have to. And so it, it is very much a system that is based upon markets are efficient to drive changes. Um, and it's been demonstrated in the past. I'm, I'm going to use diesel or heating oil, I think it's called, in the United States, where we lowered the sulfur content in um, in the consumption of, of, of uh, diesel. There were different grades there as well. And the oil traders started to pay more for the better grades. What that did is the refineries, and this happened on a global scale, the refineries then realized that they could get more money for a lower sulfur and they invested. And this was $500 million investments we're talking about in the case of refineries. And do you know what we sold like that with lowering the sulfur? Acid rain. Nobody talks about it anymore. It started whenever in the 80s, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Early 2000. But, but, but I do remember when yeah. you, that there was that issue. Yeah, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Because the markets have solved this. Because there was different grades of sulfur content in, in, the, in the oil streams. And then the buyers, or the traders, the commercial people, they paid different prices on the different grades of sulfur content. And the lower grade is called 10 ppm, which is, give or take, close to zero. Um, That's the one that's now everywhere. But the refineries first had to produce that 10 ppm uh, diesel, which was they had to install quite big new pieces of kit. The reason they made those investments, because they saw the price differential. Vaguely, I remember it was like $50 a ton more or something along those lines. Okay, they did the calculation. They went to their usual executive committees, made the business case, did the calculation, $500 million times 50 tons, if dollars if that was the exact, well, there was loads of prices, clearly. Um, and they made the investments. Acid rain is give or take solved. And so we, we've, we've taken a, that as a playbook, more or less, to introduce a similar concept in methane so that companies will start to compete, if you want to, for lower methane emissions deliveries to the buyers. When we come back from break, I want to talk about the operators as well. Who are the partners? Who are your gas buyer traders, auditors? I want to drill a little bit deeper into who you envision are your partners or who are going to participate with this mission and getting this mission completed and done. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. 
Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. And we're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. George, before the break, uh, you know, we were discussing the registry, trading, but I want to ask you to go, you'll come, go back with me a little bit and let's start back over in the beginning because we talked about who was your original partners and we talked about the mission and you discussed that you have a new partnership with BP, British, British Petroleum, and that's congratulations. So now I really want to drill down at operators. Who are these operators who are, who see this vision? Um, your uh, methane tech providers, who are they? Let's start with that, and then I want to get into the gas uh, buyer and traders, auditors, because it looks like this is going to be an entire system of checks and balances, which is very important if you're going to reassure the globe that you all really have a great plan to reduce emission. You're going to have to prove it to some degree. Mm -hmm. And from what I see from your website, you have everybody in here. Mm -hmm. So let's start with operators and the methane tech providers. What are they going to do? Who are they? Because you have some big companies here participating. Yeah, so, I mean, the the word you use is is really how we describe it as well. So, MIQ, in a way, creates an ecosystem of of companies uh, participating. Um, Because all we do as MIQ is create the protocol, if you want, the standards. And we deliberately step away from then doing the work. One, it wouldn't be properly scalable. I'm interested in solving it this decade. Um, so we're going to have to rely on a lot of companies to help out doing this. Um, and secondly, it would be a conflict as well. So uh, coming back to the, the credibility here. So we work with um, the, the, the two key parties here that help to implement this is the what we call the accredited auditors. And they are specialist engineering style uh, auditors. Um, there's big companies in there such as GHD, ACOM, RES, for example. And, and they do the actual audits. And you have to, so, there's, so part of the audit, for example, is somebody going onto the field and checking that what's being said is actually there and double checking and right. visually That's going important. on. Yeah, it's the hard hat approach that we've taken here. Yeah. Um, and so we work with, it's now 11-ish uh, accredited auditors that, that we work with. Then the other part is to determine the methane emissions, you also need methane technology, so measurement technology to frame it in that. And so we work with, give or take, 30, 40 companies, um, mostly US-based, by the way, uh, mostly mid-sized companies, some startups, uh, some a bit further, uh, some much bigger as well, for example. Um, And they provide the, the drones, the flyovers, the OGI cameras, it's called, and they go and check the methane emissions according to our, our standards. And that helps in creating that picture towards that grading system that, that we talked about earlier. So that's another big part uh, of the ecosystem. Um, so it's those companies that actually do the work on the ground mm-hmm. using the MIQ standards. Um, to put it in, in financial reporting equivalent, there's also an auditor there and there's also somebody who runs your accountancy software. That's the same here. Um, and then the companies that have decided to have their facilities uh, certified. So there, uh, for example, of the, the early adopters, you, you can see it on our website. You've got uh, BP and Exxon and, and Repsol on, on the internationally orientated companies. And then you've also got uh, EQT, Chesapeake, NNE, um, and loads of US independents are starting to join as well. So we, we think it's great that there is a lot of companies that, that have joined this. And the result is, um, by now, we are certifying around almost 20% of U.S. gas production. And that's an enormous quantity of Considering gas. Considering that we didn't have it before. Nope. That's great. Yeah, so in exactly. a year ago, that number was around zero. 
And so we've had a growth of close to 20% of US gas being certified. Um, and so the uptake is, 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 is really, it's accelerated away. Um, we have to explain it obviously a lot to companies how this all works, but it comes down to that ecosystem. We can accelerate because all these companies are around there to help us to implement it. I have a question about the financial institutions as well. Um, you know, I've done this show for seven years and, and through the seven years, you know, we've seen the change with e ESG. Mm financial institutions. As a matter of fact, we had BlackRock's executive uh, a couple mm. of weeks back. And there's a lot of discussion on our oil and gas companies getting funding. And, and we saw what happened with ExxonMobil on their board. Um, there is great pressure to change. Mm -hmm. These operators are, are, are seeing that, understanding that if they want to stay in business, it's their license to operate, if you will, to do what they can to lower it, admissions. Um, and so how are, on your, you know, you in here is financial institutions as well. Can you give me a visual on how that is going to work? I'm sorry, financial ah, institutions. I'm okay, so yeah, sorry. I was wondering if there's a specific name there, but uh, I couldn't remember. Um, yeah, so, I mean, MIQ, what we're really doing is is fact-finding. Uh, fact-finding on what are the meetings. Keeping enemies. everybody honest, yeah. too, at the same yeah. time. In and, the way and, and then the markets will do the rest of the work, as, as we've talked about earlier, and drive that down. But are companies that are members of MIQ or registered, if you will, mm -hmm. and are participating in your process, um, is there the ability for them to use this certification or registry and probably increase their chances. I mean, ExxonMobil and, and these large ones don't, mm -hmm. but maybe for a mid-size operator yeah, uh, yeah. to qualify I, uh, for ESG is. Yeah, so <laughs> now ESG is a huge debate, as you alluded to as well. Um, but it has to start somewhere, yeah. then, so maybe this so is the starting point. So we've taken the approach, and, and there's a lot of noise around ESG, and there's a lot of issues around what exactly is ESG and when is it credible, not credible. So... First, with methane emissions and certification, we're clearly only looking at the E component here, emissions, mm -hmm. not at the S and the G, at least what we're doing with uh, MIQ. And we almost trying, what we, again, what we're trying to do, uh, what we are doing with, with MIQ, with the certification, we, we're finding those facts rather than under ESG, there's a lot of claims being made about what one does. MIQ is about the fact is the methane emissions of oil operator X is an A grade, a B grade, a C grade. So you're bringing facts to the ESG debate rather than claims. It's all over the place, George. Yeah. It's all over the place. And it's as, um, as, as we do more interviews specifically looking at this, it's just uh, starting to develop. And so it looks like on the uh, methane admissions, you guys are ahead of the game and setting some rules. Are financial institutions looking to you guys? What are they asking mm. you all, if you don't mind telling them? Yeah, no, no, ab absolutely. I think um, what we're starting to see is that, and, and this is definitely going to happen in the private equity space, for example, is um, where you buy and sell smaller operators or, or assets is that something like an MIQ certification is going to become key. I would because think so, <laughs> It's yes. part of your due diligence suddenly. That's right. Just like you look your at the accounts. Your license to continue to yeah, operate. Exactly. <laughs> and, or potential for improvement. That's right. As well. That's so correct. if somebody has high methane emissions and maybe a, a private equity comes in and like, we know how to solve this, well, 
they can negotiate the prices between themselves, but at least they've got the facts now. And they can work towards a clear goal of where they want to go with methane emissions. So I think the, 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 the methane emissions and the certified uh, methane emissions are going to become part of uh, M&A transactions in, for argument's sake, in, in the private equity space. I think once you also start to have a company where they've certified all their facilities, one by one, then it also says something about the company itself. And so we have, and, and this is sporadic, we are starting to see trends where the banks might start to look at what kind of lending am I doing to that company? Because they are ahead of the curve or they're being transparent, whatever the exact version is, but they now are participating in methane transparency. So that's where this is all going to come into the, uh, the financial world, I, I believe. Well, we're going to take a quick break. This will be our last segment with you. And I want to get future projections for your mission. Where do you see this going? Of course, I'm I'm hoping it'll grow globally. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe three, five years projections out on where you guys are going to go. Uh, Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. George, um, let's get to, um, so this mission that you created, um, or this group, this organization, it has a lofty mission to address climate change in a real way that mm-hmm. uh, is verifiable, maybe the green, uh, green standard, if you will, in climate change. Um, and you have a lot of operators. Can you, can you tell them to shut up? Like, Jesus Christ. No, not yet. just tell them you know hey um sorry you shouldn't have no no i can hear them again they're rude like you don't understand you're in media row um here we go so i guess the question i have is your current members um or group consist of a lot of the large majors and they kind of set the standard but how also would a midsize or a smaller independent mm-hmm. company, how are they going to join and is what is the upside for them besides doing the right thing for mm-hmm. climate change? Um, how are we going to work these, these smaller and midsize co- uh, oil and gas producers into this system as well? Mm-hmm. No, it's, v- it's a very good question. And um, again, MIQ has been designed with everybody in mind. Good. So uh, one big tent. Everybody's <laughs> one welcome. Big tent. I want because we want to address methane emissions one globally, and we get, we get asked that question a lot. Will this be applicable in Algeria and in Nigeria? And we're like, yes, same concept. Nothing changes. Maybe not for the next year or two. Russia, yes, same concept. But okay, clearly not at the moment. But right. <laughs> <laughs> might have to wait a bit. But um, same concept. We don't change the concept. Um, so that's why in the whole design, it's been key to design it such that it can basically deal with small companies big companies uh and everywhere uh globally so no totally the the, the small companies the mid-side companies and there's several already that are participating so the, the the other thing that is going to help with that is uh it is true that some of the bigger ones uh, have started with this but what that allows to do is for the mrq ecosystem to start up and to learn to work efficiently and there's a huge drive that we're doing as MIQ as well to make it a very efficient uh, system. So that, because the last thing I want is people go like, this is too costly to do. Right. That is not the way I want to approach this. So it is going to be, there will be, as I said, differentials in pricing coming in. And that might give you either a premium or a bigger market share. And both are good. 
for operators. But what we're also solving for is to keep this very efficient to do. Uh, and as I said earlier, I think we've now got 40 of these tech operators. They're growing. They're getting more efficient. We've got several partners that help to, to implement it. The auditors have learned from those first ones. Right. And I know the next audit is going to be much more efficient and much cheaper as well. So I think from that perspective, that is all going to help also the smaller ones. Um, and I know a lot of smaller ones are linked to the private equities, and I think that's where we'll, we'll probably see uh, a lot of um, the, the next iteration of, of this coming from. No, we'd like everybody to join here on this. Well, and you mentioned the, the service technicians, and I'm looking at them, or the methane tech providers, excuse me. You know, some of the larger ones are on here, uh, you know, with Schlumberger, Baker Hughes. And, and then you also have members, uh, ExxonMobil and, um, you know, other large operators as well, our partners, BP, Chesapeake. And, you know, you're off to a good start of getting everyone's attention that you have very credible companies mm -hmm. with, uh, res with high standards reporting back to their shareholders trying to do the right thing to meet the need of uh, climate change and uh, or meet the standards that we need to convert to in climate change. Um, so I just want to say, you know, where do you see your organization in like five years from now? Will, will we accomplish this? How, how, how fast are you looking to grow this in your projections? And when do we see this really hitting uh, yeah, so mainstream? I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we're almost, it's kind of gone mainstream more or less. I mean, we are doing, as I said earlier, around 20% 20, 20 of, of U.S. gas that is kind of becoming mainstream, one could argue. Uh, we're now also rolling this out to the rest of the supply chain, boosting and gathering pipelines and then LNG exports. And we're talking to dozens of companies outside of the US uh, to pick this up. Um, again, we, our mission is to deal with the methane emissions at the end of this decade. And again, that is possible because it's all existing technologies. And so we create that transparency. So we are looking for the next three to five years to have, I don't know, half of the gas on a global scale to be certified and working very hard towards that lower methane to go to the better uh, grading system. And I also think this is a just, I mean, <laughs> now looking at the, at the background here, shale. Um, and I remember the shale revolution. <laughs> I was... Uh, About 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I was trading. And I was like, nah, this is just not going to work. And then it just grow, grew and grew and grew. And it was fascinating to see it coming out of nowhere. The industry innovated. The industry got that going. And I was working in London then. And we were just like, Wow didn't see that coming and i think that's what the oil and gas industry is it's an innovating efficient industry whether you're a small company big company it really doesn't matter and i think the smaller companies they're much more nimble they're much better at solving some of these problems they don't have to go through committees of 20 people and so on True. and so the companies here are absolutely capable to address these methane emissions and there's the service providers around there and there's the methane tech companies so I'm actually very positive here. I'm very optimistic. The oil industry will solve this. I agree with you. And I think that in closing the show, um, I think that the industry is hungry for solutions, like you said, but specifically in meeting their needs. And, of course, the elected officials 
breathe down their throats to find the solution and hopefully uh, with your organization we find some solutions and, and are able mm -hmm. to grow this. Thank you, George, for coming in and talking to us here at Sarah Week uh, in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you for being on the show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188.